Well, hello, and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 154. John and Wendy talk to Robin Schooling. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you tonight, John? Wendy, we've had a, a whirlwind of fun already with technology not working, and apparently <laughs> yeah. I'm talking from a coal mine right now. Yeah. It is hard to believe it is February, and we are excited to announce the return of one of our favorite sponsors, yes. uh, our pals of Humoriso, are back with us for the month of February. Woo. So excited to welcome Humoriso back. We loved working with them last year. I think they were February last year, too. They were, as a matter um, of fact. So we'll have to, we'll, we'll give them a little extra love for Valentine's Day. <laughs> well, we, we always, it is always a joy to spend time with John Baldino. For those of you who don't know, uh, Humoriso is John's company. I was thinking about it tonight before we got started recording. We don't get to see anybody. I have not seen anybody in a while. Right. Right. We saw John all the time. It seemed like we were at all the conferences together. We were the last time we all traveled <laughs> in 2019. Um, yeah, I think he was for for me running into people out at conferences. I think he was number two, but right behind you. So well, there you go. Um, that was great. So well, we, uh, yes, we're very excited to have you, Mariso, on board, and I'm excited about tonight's guest. Don't see her as much as we see John on the conference circuit, but we certainly have seen her a lot. And yes. it's like you said before we got started recording. How in the world have we not had Robin on yet? Let's make the introduction and get started. Yes. So excited to welcome Robin Schooling to the show tonight. She's an HR leader, strategist, and advisor with extensive senior level experience in all areas of people operations and human resource management. She's got the battle scars and the WTF stories to prove it. As a head of HR and people strategies practice with the Padiris Group, a boutique human capital consulting firm. She focuses on designing people strategies that are forward-looking, progressive, and human-focused. Robin regularly speaks to global HR and TA audiences, writes for various publications, as well as her own popular HR blog, and serves as the co-host of the long-running podcast Drive Through HR. She's board co-chair with HR Open Source and has managed the monthly Carnival of HR, which began in 2007 since 2016. Robin, welcome to the show tonight. We're so, so excited to have you here. Our first question, though, what's in your glass? Well, you know, um, I needed to be sober to come or something. I don't know, because I'm totally going against brand. I'm drinking a lovely chilled bottle of Nestle Mandarin Orange Water. Wow. That is way off brand, Robin. Right? I know. (laughs) I know. We get water, though, much more these days than than we have in the past. So I think that's, that's okay. Robin, we feel like we've known you for forever. We feel I like know. what you're doing now. How exactly, though, did you get your start in human resources? I am one of those, uh, like many, who uh, who fell into it once upon a time. Would not have picked it as a career. Uh, barely even knew what it was. So I was just I was just out of college, and I went into a staffing agency to register for some sort of temp assignment or something. And um, rather than place me, they hired me to work at the agency. And thus began my, um, my foray into recruiting, which was um, really how, how I entered, dabbling in it at the agency for about a year uh, and before I went to my first in-house HR gig uh, with a bank. Work was, was there, um, started as an HR assistant, a job that really doesn't exist anymore, 
and then became the recruiter uh, responsible for all hiring for, I, I guess it was about 16 branches and the corporate office. And then just kept going from there, went and got my PHR way. I mean, y'all, this was so far back. This was paper and pencil and it took two months to get the results in the mail and then, and then moved and started to go into some generalist roles. So just sort of hopscotched around um, into either HR or, or in-house recruiting functions, back and forth, large, small, global, you name the size, uh, all different sizes and variety of industries, um, social services, healthcare, consumer goods, gaming, third-party logistics. Um, so, so really danced, danced around quite a bit. We could probably have just a show of guests and talk about their experience of getting into HR through staffing agencies. Because, well, and, and of course, yeah, your yeah. your co-hosts start, <laughs> Robin, you and I are simpatico there. I mean, that's how yeah, I got yeah. started, too. I would apply to be a tip, and they said, you'd be good at this. Yep. So. <laughs> and I tell everybody, too, um, I, I, you know, I still, to this day, I always tell people that's that that want to get into HR and say, oh, I just I just can't land that first gig in house somewhere. Go to an agency. Go to an agency. And yeah. will the baptism by fire. <laughs> That's right. We know that you have all the best stories because you did spend a lot of your time working in gaming. Um, I think you have some yeah. of the best stories from that. What are some HR lessons you feel you learned in that kind of environment that others might not experience? For for someone who who doesn't um, gamble and forgets to even purchase lottery tickets, I've worked at two casinos <laughs> and was the VP of HR at the lottery for seven years as well. So I spent a lot of time in gaming and and casinos in particular. It's I mean it is a fascinating world. It's a fascinating industry. It's I always called it to my staff. I said you know we're we're um, in your face balls to the wall HR. Um, you, you're, you're just there. Um, I think the, you know, kind of the biggest lessons are, um, for one thing, there's a different rhythm to the business. It's a really unique rhythm that also impacts the, the, the back of house functions as well. Kind of the administrative side, um, you know, in a lot of organizations, a lot of typical businesses, you know, it's kind of like a Monday through Friday thing. You, 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 you crank stuff up and you start to wind down. You know, nobody wants meetings on Friday afternoons and you kind of sort of work towards the weekend. The casino industry is flipped totally opposite. Uh, Mondays were our quietest days. Most of the staff were off because they had worked all weekend and we cranked up towards the weekend. So Thursdays and Fridays were just in, insane. Um, most of the employees were in, the part-timers that only worked perhaps uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they were in. And, and so just the rhythm of the week was very different. A Friday 4 p.m. meeting was not unusual. It just, because that's when everybody was there. So the rhythm took some getting used to. Um, of course, it's 24-7, 365, which, you know, many of us can say in our industries, healthcare, manufacturing, whatever. Um, but this 24-7, 365, again, a little bit different because it is, 24 7, 365 with customers in your face for those 24 hours a day. Not only, um, you know, guests who are just visiting, but guests who are getting free alcohol and either having the greatest time of their life or um, not a really good night because they're losing, you know, the rent money. And so constant guest interaction for everybody. And um, 
you know, at, at all hours, it can be 2 AM, it can be 4 AM and there's still people there and you're there to satisfy their needs and take care of them and, and do whatever. So it's, um, it's, it's very in your face. I think one of the reasons I really liked it was because of that, because from, from day one, when I started at that bank way back in the day, um, in, in house HR, I was always a, uh, get out on the, get out on the floor sort of HR person. I was always at the branches. I was always all over the place. Um, and at the casino, that's, uh, that's part of the job, right? I, you know, so the interaction with customers, they just saw a badge and they knew I worked there. They, they didn't care who I was. Um, so I would have the opportunity and it really was an opportunity to help customers. Now I couldn't unjam a slot machine or mix them a drink, but I could get somebody that could help them to do it. I, I had a comp book. This was like one of the funnest things. I hardly ever used it, but I had like an old school comp book and I could write out comps. I tended to use it more for employees than guests. Um, you know, here's a couple of buffets, you know, thanks facilities guys for helping. So it was very, you were just embedded, embedded in the business. You needed to be. And so anybody in, in HR in that environment, you know, we talk about it no matter the industry, right? Don't, don't hide behind in your office, get out, interact with your employees. Well, there you, I mean, there, if you can't do that in that sort of environment, you're never, you're never going to make it. And, and sometimes it's all hands on deck. Uh, you know, when I worked many in New Year's Eve, I was rolling silverware and bussing tables um, on New Year's Eve um, just because you had to do that. But the beauty of it is, it was much more than just a superficial understanding of what the jobs entailed. You were given the opportunity to really kind of work, you know, in short bursts, but work side by side with employees and understand what does it really like in the bar in the back when the cocktail servers are not only getting their drinks ready to, you know, take out on a tray, but they have to make them themselves. What is that like? What's happening there in the cage when there's 20 people lined up? You know, what, what's the, what's the happenings at the, at the turnstile and what are security officers dealing with? And, you know, I would just hang out with employees um, in all departments and enjoyed it um, because of course that helps, you know, certainly with any sort of, any sort of recruiting activities and, Truly understanding what the job entails helps when there, there are performance discussions or when there are any sort of investigations that are happening because you really just had to know what everybody did. So many regulations, so many, you know, sort of internal controls and things that everybody really had to adhere to. Knowing those and, and being on top of that was critical, but it also gave, and it wasn't just myself, the other members on my HR team did it as well it really gave us credibility as, as partners in the, or, in the, in the organization. Uh, employees knew that we knew what they did. Managers understood that, that we understood what, what their jobs entailed. And it helped us, you know, advocate on, on the right side of issues quite often. I, I see a lot of my role in HR really at every organization has been, how do I remove the, 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 obstacles that are in people's way that are infuriating them or keeping them from doing a good job. And you can't do that sitting in an office. That's, that's diving in. That's understanding what does their day-to-day really look like. 
And how can I, with that understanding, go to Trixie, the, you know, food and beverage manager, the, you know, CFO or whoever and say, why are we doing this ridiculous outdated process or (laughs) whatever? Um, And, uh, you know, I, I knew it, I could understand it. So it was just very, very, very involved, energizing and exhausting all at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, and I think you get, you know, you talked about being on the floor and, and knowing what they are. And I think that's, you know, one of the challenges now with, you know, we're not able to be as connected to people. You know, there's, there's something about that face-to-face. I, I get it as someone who loves working at home and <laughs> hiding behind my computer. I do understand the, you know, that being there and being out in front of people. I, I miss going out and talking with hiring managers, but at least now I know when I schedule with them and I catch them on, on Skype or Zoom, I know I'm going to actually find them. <laughs> exactly. You know they are. them down. <laughs> Yeah. Robin, as you're talking to your peers and talking to your customers now, what do you believe is going to be the biggest issue HR pros are going to face over the remainder of this year? Oh, man, can we get that long list going? Because I think it's going to be a long, (laughs) long, long list. You know, I mean, we've already seen, um, you know, since since the inauguration, um, you know, some of the the regulatory and and some of the potential legislative changes that will be coming down. So I think you know, HR folks need to be just so, so aware and just so tuned in to what some of those changes could be. And just because they're being talked about doesn't mean that, you know, everything's going to happen or happen in 2021, but we're already seeing movement and discussions about minimum wage. You know, there've been changes at the NLRB already, um, enhanced OSHA enforcement, um, you know, because this administration has a whole different viewpoint of workplace safety than the previous one. Just, I think some enforcement issues are going to come back in a way that um, they haven't for the last four years, whether that be OSHA, EEOC, whatever. If you're a contractor, government contractors, you know, the world is already shifting um, yet again with um, the elimination of not just the executive order that took out the don't teach critical race theory that 45, uh, because I refuse to say his name, had signed. But, um, you know, uh, Biden is putting in actual requirements for contractors now to do some uh, diversity and, and inclusion training. And then I think overlaying that, you know, we're also going to see kind of the, the people aspects of the job that go beyond that sort of legislative aspect. HR people are exhausted after 2020 and it's not ending anytime soon. But, you know, the, the need to kind of continue to navigate this continued um, rawness for want of a better word, of of a divided country, you know, here in the U.S. and watching how that spills over into the workplace. I think that's 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 been bubbling under the surface for five years now, and it's you know it's 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 erupted and it's going to keep it's bubble. It's a cauldron bubbling. Um, so we have to pay attention to that. Um, and and what does that mean at work? How are we going to accompany our people through COVID? vaccinations and come out the other end of that. And then I think, you know, as Wendy kind of mentioned the whole, you know, all the work from home, work from remote work world that we've moved into more than, more than before, you know, we're, we're in HR, we're going to also have to help navigate the right mix of returning some folks perhaps back 
in the office and then keeping some work from anywhere. And, you know, I think HR will be, HR needs to be at the forefront of driving those conversations. And, and I know many have started already, but if they haven't yet, because they're still kind of waiting for vaccines and whatnot, what is that going to look like in our organizations? And, and, and HR needs to do some of that planning and prep work for that. Well, Robin, as, as we talked about earlier, you have been a prolific writer, speaker, podcaster over the years. So we have to know what is your favorite medium to share ideas with other HR professionals and why? I would say, although you really couldn't tell because I feel like I haven't written hardly anything in about a year, but I would say I probably still remain the biggest fan of writing. I used to write probably three blog posts a week back in the, back in the day. And I would say in the last year, I'm lucky if I do one, maybe two a month. So I've really, I don't know. I've been living through a pandemic, right? But I still, personally, I still like writing for myself, but also consuming writing. That That's also where I primarily consume content as well. It's still a written word. For me, it's because that act of writing is me thinking things through as I'm putting my thoughts down on paper. And I think you know, secondarily speaking and presentations in person, because I am done, 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 done with virtual (laughs) events. So done. I I just, I cannot watch videos anymore. I cannot go to virtual conferences. I am just, I am out, done. Robin, you may be done, but I don't think they're done yet. No, (laughs) I know. I know. I'll probably crawl them back. Take a break. Take back. a break, walk away from the screen. and <laughs> One of the things that we've done in the last month, Robin, is we, we've started having our guests ask questions of the next guest. Last week's guest, Katie Lopez, asks, what's the best piece of advice you ever got from a previous mentor? I, um, and you know, it's interesting because I guess I didn't really, you know, I thought about that, that question. And I, I guess I never really thought about this person as a mentor while they were mentoring me. Um, it's only looking back where I was like, wow, that's probably the person that I learned the most from. And that was my, uh, the executive director at nonprofit agency I worked at. I was the, um, it was my first HR leadership role and I was their first HR leader, staff members, about a hundred employees. She was the executive director, former nun with her MSW and her MBA. And I just loved her to bits. She really just taught me a lot about how to approach. She didn't couch it as how to approach HR. It was kind of how to approach work and life and a job. And I think it's kind of the lessons that have stuck with me. It's care about others before you care about yourself. Be honest and ethical in all that you do. And ultimately do what you can to make the world a better place. Those were her three kind of lessons. Um, but I've carried with me now for, oh my Lord, 25 years. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Humoriso, an award-winning HR outsourcing consultancy, invites businesses of all sizes to its successful strategies to manage talent, recruit for skills gaps based on employee inventories, assess markets for growth, develop long-range succession plans, and influence a culture of enthusiastic buy-in. Through its flagship HRO plan, Humoriso helps businesses save money, increase productivity, and reduce legal risks by providing dedicated HR consulting for training and development, recruitment, HR technology, and strategic engagement. 
Learn more at www.humoriso.com or call 844-HUMORISO. That's 844-H-U-M-A-R-E-S-O. Thanks again to Humoriso for sponsoring the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. Now, back to the show. And we are back. Robin, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the Half Hour Question Connection. What career did you dream of having when you were a child? From about third grade through ninth grade, I wanted to be a lawyer, a trial lawyer, like a Perry Mason. I can see see you doing that. I can see you doing that. (laughs) Robin, who's one person you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know? God, I miss meeting new people face to face over the last year. But one person that I, uh, an HR person that I think everyone should know is um, Christina Wang. W-A-N-G, and you can find her on Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, she's an HR professional in, in New York. She has an engaging story and experiences, and she's just a really a, a forward thinker. Sadly, I've only met her virtually, but um, top-notch, top-notch recommendation. How do you maintain balance? I, um, I nap. <laughs> I, am, um, I am the world's biggest napper. I take a 20-minute or so cat nap every day, every single day. And longer naps on the weekends when I can lay on the couch. Robin, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? I would say that there are there are really um, there are really two principles that guide me, and I think the first is uh, what I've always tried to do is to connect people to ideas and information, as well as connect people to people, and and so when I venture out to do anything it's um you know whether that be through my roles if you will with hr open source or the carnival hr drive through hr any 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 really kind of anything else i've done um is to connect people to information and kind of the guiding principle of that being you know just just because you work for a uh you know a 50 employee company in homa louisiana doesn't mean you can't elevate HR and think and act um, strategically and future focused. And so, and you do that by, by learning and being connected to information. So that's kind of the first principle. And I think the other way where I give back to HR, which may seem somewhat, I don't know, counterintuitive, I guess. I've long believed in pulling no punches when the collective we of HR do asinine things. HR, HR is often it is. Um, and I think part of my service, if you will, to, to HR has been, you know, calling that out because sometimes we need to call that out on ourselves and then take a look, good hard look at our foolishness or what, what we're doing or what we're allowing to happen and finding ways then collectively to make that better. Oh, what's your favorite movie? I would say Singing in the Rain. What was the first concert you attended? Uh, Journey, circa 1979 or so. <laughs> what is the last show you binge watched? Oh, our, um, our pandemic binge show um, throughout all of 2020 has been every season of Below Deck. Regular Below, oh. Deck, Below Deck Med <laughs> and Below Deck Sailing Yacht because we had never seen it before. Um, so we are now all caught up. We have watched them all and we are on now the live shows of this season, which is starting in uh, about a half an hour or so. Yeah. I'll caught up. 
Robin, I'm pleading ignorance. What I don't even know what Below Deck is. Oh, it's fantastic. It's it's a it's a Bravo reality show. Okay. But it's um but they actually are working. I mean, there's the drama and who's, you know, hooking up with who and you know, let's get in a fight and all this kind of stuff. But they're it's um it's luxury charter yachts. Ah. So you, the below deck are the crew. The crew members are the cast. Gotcha. Wow. I love it. I love it. Robin, what's a hobby or a thing you really like to do that may surprise people? Probably my, um, my weirdest hobby. And it's really weird to think of it as a hobby. The weirdest thing that I do for, for many years now actually is reading and following the happenings of, um, Christian fundamentalist bloggers. Um, (laughs) These are the people that do like modest dressing and purity balls and save your daughter's virginity. Um, and, you know, men are the headships and daughters should stay at home until they're married and their dad gives them away. It, and the, you know, it, it's that whole world. There's tons of them. I know way more about these families than I should. And I know way more about the, um, Institute and Basic Life Principles and the now defunct Vision Forum and the Quiverful Movement than um, anybody who's not in it should probably know. <laughs> oh, I could tell you stories about my family, Robin. You would love them. <laughs> and um, I would love them. That's you for another show. <laughs> that's a different show. That's a different show. Not tonight. <laughs> There's, I don't have enough beer in my hand to tell those stories. Well, finally, Robin. If you could ask the next guest of the podcast any question, what would it be? Mm, the question I would ask is, um, do they think that HR will still exist in 2041? And what will it look like? Oh, I like it. And we don't have to answer it. Exactly. <laughs> That's the best part about being on That's this the best of part podcast. of this part. We will definitely be including that next go round, Robin. Again, it's been an absolute joy spending time with you. It's it's been too long since we've caught up. Yes. Hopefully, we will all get back to real world conference times and things sooner than later. I'm yep. sure most of our listeners are probably connected with you now, but if they are not, what's the best way for them to reach out there? Uh, just uh, robinschooling.com is kind of the hub for everything, and you can link to my Twitter, LinkedIn, everything off of there or just google me we will have that in the show notes and then wendy how about you best way for listeners to find you uh, best way is on my blog mydailyjourney.com daily is d as in dog a-i-l-e-y and of course second and fourth sunday of each month you will find me on twitter with all of my other hr social hour twitter chat friends 7 p.m eastern time how about you john once again, I want to thank you, Mariso, and welcome aboard for the month of february yes. for sponsoring the show we really do appreciate them for that uh, as for me, johntherman.com for all things John Thurman and for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen and share. That's all we ask. And mm-hmm. international listeners, you know the deal. We'd love to talk to you. Contact us if you've not already. Uh, a quick reminder, too, if you're still listening, we do have a book giveaway still going with Katie Lopez and the uh, Latinas Rising Up in HR. So if you have not listened to that show, go back, listen to that episode and learn how you can win a copy of that book directly from Katie. So, uh, again, Robin, really appreciate being with us. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect, give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.